Living Archives. Connie O'Reilly moved from Navan to Santry in the late 1960s. To me, it was a whole change of life when I came to Dublin in the late 60s. I know I didn't come very far, only 30 miles away, but at the time, it was another world. And um, people got married very young in that time. And I was 19 and stupid, I can tell you. So um, I married a Calvin man who uh, got a job in Erlingus, which was a huge deal. Still is a big mm-hmm. deal today. But um, we were not familiar with the suburbs in, in Dublin at all uh, because we just came to O'Connor Street, things like that, and the shopping streets. So um, we took a lead by Michael's colleagues in Erlingus as to where to buy a house. And convenience would have been a huge factor, maybe mm. the only factor probably at the time. And uh, so a lot of them were living in Santry and uh, we thought that's fine. Now Santry was always there, but Santry was an old established uh, world. So this was the newer end that was starting with new housing estates. It was opening out, developing from the little village that's still lovely and still there. So um, we found our house and we never moved. And uh, now that was a huge undertaking because at that time houses had rates. And they were colossal at the time. And the system was, when you bought a house, up until 10 years, you had kind of, you were going up the ladder to reach full rates. Mm. So what people did, they, um, a lot of people, maybe wise people, they sold their houses that time and went into other housing estates and started off again. Okay. But we thought, well, that's moving. So we're not that kind of people. We're lazy probably. So we said, ah, no, we'll drop anchor here. So uh, there's a lot of houses now to choose from that was in that bracket at the time. So, um, what we get? Well, we thought we got everything, which we did, because we got a very sturdy house. And, um, oh, this was big, not big deal. We lost the run of ourselves. The whole back wall was glass, patio doors. Now, that was something special at that time. And it opened out onto a south-facing garden, big garden. Yeah. Houses, that period, had big gardens. But beyond that, fields, just fields as far as the eye could see. Trees, cattle, everything. And that land belonged to the Department of Agriculture. And we thought it was going to be there forever. And it was just another world. It was like moving from um, an urban area like Navan, even though it was small at the time, to um, a rural area in the middle of Dublin. So we thought we were in heaven, which we were. So it was just a perfect place to live because we were well off the, um, the main swords road. So we had no traffic, no noise, 300 houses. Our neighbours were the cattle, not overlooked, nothing at all. And uh, neither of us would have known very much about cattle now. But the cattle, anyway, decided to get to know the neighbours. And they were always breaking into the back garden. And, you know, we were very quiet people. We never complained to the authorities about it. And they used to come in and they'd just stand and look at you. And when one came, they all came. Cattle have this wonderful way of stillness. And sure, I used to run in from the clothesline or something, terrified to go out. And they could spend half the day there. And they would just look and look around. Then they'd eat our shrubs and our plants and our vegetables. And then they'd all wander off. And we'd just fix up the wire. And wait for it to happen again another week. But that was the normal behaviour. It was a country way of living. We thought it was lovely. So, um, wouldn't happen now. People would be looking for compensation all over the place. But one morning anyway, life changes. We woke up. Trees gone. Cattle gone. Everything gone. Well, it was an awful shock and uh, no consultation, no notice, nothing at all, Alan. Well, that changed us as a community 
we realised how little power we had and how unimportant we were. But we decided that's it, we have to do something. And uh, at that time, women did not work very much. So we were all at home with nothing to do, really. Only plan mischief Hmm. and get together as a community. And um, so we formed a residence association. Now, at that time, they had power and they meant something. But not like today, the kind of, well, needs have changed. So they're not as powerful as they were at one time. And then we realised that, um, now these are only people my neighbours because we were the most directly involved back in onto these fields. And we said we'd form road associations. And then they wanted the same thing that we wanted. So we're all going to the corporation, all going to the Department of Education, looking for schools and everything. And we said, no, that's pointless. We'll get together and form an umbrella group. So we formed a community council. Now, we were way before our time. Now, it was probably disgracefully organised and run, but it worked. So anyway, uh, we had no school uh, at all. And now there were schools in the surrounding area, but they they were full up with their own catchment area. Nobody wanted our little estate. So we could see it was going to grow. We looked at plans. We could see it was going to be developed and we needed a school. And uh, so we... Um, put a lot of work into it. We were, we were very lucky. We had very talented people in the area. We were just lucky. And uh, now we had no money because that time none of us had any money. So in, anyway, we got our school, our later victories, a fine, fine school, a boys and a girls school still there today. And we had no church. Now, I don't think we did the same jumping up and down for the church as we did for the school. We thought that was a priority. So uh, we got our church anyway and still lovely church there in Old Ballymun Road. So uh, we, then we started becoming a real community mm. once we got that together. And that did change our lives because there were children coming along. But the school probably was the main, um, the biggest thing that occupied us for years because uh, at that time the church and the state very much had control of it. And the parents had very little say. And we realised that very quickly, that we had no say. So uh, we formed a parents committee. And uh, just to be a nuisance, just to let them know we were there. And uh, insisted they have meetings with us and tell us where the plans were for the school. Not that we had much input into it, but at least we recognised. We thought that was very important. And then came um, boards of management. It was all being developed. And it was very much a closed shop. Like the church appointed people and the school appointed teachers. And uh, very hard for parents to get onto it. So anyway, the idea came up then that it should be an elected parent. Mm. And you won't believe this, Alan. I was elected, and I wasn't a parent at all for four years later. <laughs> now, how we managed that, that that was not knocked on the head immediately by the powers that be, I don't know. So I served in that role for six years. Now, I did become a parent sometime in the meantime, four years later. And uh, so we were a very, very, very powerful group and uh, very committed parents around us. So that worked around. And then when we got that going, then the area began to develop because we had unity in numbers. And we developed football clubs, ladies' groups, and then we decided, oh, we need boys scouts. Hadn't thought much about girl guides. I think most of us had boys or something. We all had boys, and we thought of boy scouts, and then girls would develop after that. So we got that going. So um, we were very happy then with Grand Little Community. Everything was fine. This would be late 70s now. We'd have gone on as far as that. You know, yeah. it took that time to develop a community. Yeah. And uh, because it's slow, I mean, you've no money. Connie tells us about living close to the airport. Well, um, the only, if you call it, bad experience was, you know, the windows at that time were very bad. It was kind of steel frames. And the aircraft flew very low. 
And we always cracked windows because the planes would come so low, kind of, and the windows were so bad. So everybody cracked windows. That was the norm. That was the worst thing about it, you know. But uh, so the kids loved it. The aircraft's so low. But um, as for going to the airport, we were some of the very privileged people who, you know, had somebody working in Aer Lingus because it was one of the best perks you could have with a job because we'd free travel. And that changed the life of all of us who had, well, husbands really, not many wives worked at the time, as I said. And it meant that we could take our kids, all of us, to places in the world that today we still couldn't afford to go to, like the Caribbean or somewhere. So it did open up a world of education for the lucky people in our estate who were working in Aer Lingus. And uh, you're always sure of getting out because it was so expensive to travel, the planes were empty nearly. Connie tells us what they did to entertain themselves. Well, entertainment was in each other's homes, which was lovely. And uh, we still do it. Now, everyone can afford to go out now. But at that time, nobody could afford to go out. And where would you go at that time? There's nowhere to go around Sandry. Nobody had any money to go any further anyway. And we just used to go to each other's homes. But work colleagues at the time played a big part like we'd go to their house in Baldoyle or they'd come to us and now we wouldn't be having anything grander than a ham sandwich maybe but that was entertainment it was the company and the kids playing together and then to get out of the house there was just um, ladies clubs really that was it very few had cars in our estate because because of the rates which was bigger than the mortgage in many cases you know and it was only people with really good jobs now, like people who worked in Erlingas kind of had a car. No, it was hardly, you know, moving, but we'd old cars, a few of us. But nobody was at a, at a loss because there was this great sense of your neighbour wants to lift to the doctor, the kids fell off the wall and had to go somewhere. There was always someone with an old car around who would take them everywhere. But getting into the city, no, 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 that was very difficult. But we didn't seem to go in very much, really, because... Um, I suppose we didn't have much money to go in and buy very much because at that time our houses were all furnished with wedding presents. And you just saved for what you wanted. And you really only went in to buy something that you really needed when you had the money for it, like a rug or lino or something like that. So, uh, no, we depended on the odd bus coming up from Swords and the Swords Road to get in and out. But it didn't bother us because we lived in a very self-contained little world there, you know. Then we got um, a whiff that... Uh, uh, DCU was coming to the area, Dublin City University. Now that was a real jolt because whatever little land that was left, Kansas Avenue come up behind us, well there was land the far side of that and that was going to the university. Now this was our land, we could still see really from our houses, you know, and we knew that was going to change our area uh, forever in a very serious way. So anyway, uh, people power, we decided that we should be included in the plans and the negotiations and be made aware of what was going to happen. And that wasn't easy at that time. Now it's kind of the right of passage for people to be involved like that. But at that time, you really had to fight hard for it. And you need a very few determined people. And that's all. You don't need a hundred of them. You need three or four. And well, that was our experience at the time anyway. So um, what we did hold out for was some bit of land retained beside the university. Uh, because we felt we should um, have a park. And we did, we got it. Albert College Park, which is just beautiful. And um, now we weren't going to get a lot of land, but we were just going to get a certain amount. And uh, I remember we were sitting down, and we hadn't a clue what we were talking about, and drawing our plans for a park. 
Now, we didn't have to cover our own back gardens and get out the lawnmower. But anyway, we decided we wanted this park. So what we got was one mile in circumference, which is great. It was a lovely plan and loads of little roads in, in and out between it. So we got that and um, so the university developed and I have to say it was for the good, in our opinion. It changed our area, um, created a very different area. It never became a kind of a, too big, big but not too big, if you like. Uh, the campus was very much enclosed in itself. So we had no trouble, we were delighted with it and we thought it was great to see young people around again because we were all getting older becoming a very settled area. Our families had moved on. So it was great to get new life in. Then that kind of, that has, nothing's changed much. But um, what has changed really are the families. We're getting young families in now and there's only a few pioneers like us and dinosaurs left. Sadly, a lot of people have passed. But it's lovely to get new families coming in to the houses. But um, what most people would say, the only complaint really that I hear, and I would be involved in a lot of organisations about it, is that um, it's not friendly anymore. Not as friendly as it used to be. Because we had a lovely, caring neighbourhood where neighbours were important. Now, I know that's change is, is everywhere, but that's the real difference we see now. And it has led to some of the older people becoming very isolated. Because young families have moved in with their own little kids and another world and mortgages and babies and marriages and buggies and you know how life is. When I look back now, you know, what, how good or how bad it was for us as a family, for the O'Reillys. It was very good. Santry was very, very good for us. Uh, we could have moved. Didn't bother. Happy. We definitely wanted there. We reared our two sons there. They had a great childhood. And uh, we have two grandsons who live in England. And believe me, Alan, they are very happy to call Santry their Irish home. So, I've had a happy experience in Dublin all my life since I was very young. What's your favourite memory of living in Santry? Oh, my neighbours. Oh, my good neighbours and friends. Uh, started off with a common interest. Like-minded people. And good hearts. Always there. Generous. Cared about each other's family. That's my best memory. This programme was made with the support of Culture. For more information on this series, please visit nearfm.ie forward slash living hyphen archives. Living Archives is a growing collection. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, please contact us at documentary at near.ie.